Thank you, Derek. Um, okay, I'm Steve, in case you hadn't already known, <laughs> and I'm one of the leaders in church life. And um, I want to welcome every one of you here this morning, especially if you're new to church. <clears throat> it's been said that there are two greatest days in our lives, the day we were born and the day we know why we were born. And yet for many of us, to know what we should be do, doing is quite a struggle. Why were we born? What should we do? You know, we only have one life to live, so we've got to get it right, haven't we? And then even if we find this role that we think that we're supposed to do, um, it will change over time. That's a reality. What we do as a young adult or middle age or retirement will be different. And life circumstance sometimes comes in and changes that. So we need to know how to find our role in life. So today's topic is hearing God's will for our lives. God has good plans for each and every one of us. Not that that always necessarily comes to being, but he has good plans for every one of us. The, the world where God is, is not just survival of the fittest. And we're not just the product of our DNA or environment. There is real purpose, intentionality behind the global sense of world that we individually have and as a, a wider thing. So this is the last in our series. I have loved it. And it's about hearing, learning to hear God. In this series, we've learned that God is alive and speaking. And each and every one of us can learn to listen to his voice. So if you want to know what to do in life, if you want to know what God's will is for you in your life, what you were born for, you just need to listen, don't you? It's really not quite as simple as that, is it? So... Um, Today I'm going to try and help you a little bit with that. So my topic today is hearing God's will for our lives. I've got three points. God's primary will, and then I'm going to think about who we are, and then about God's specific will for us. The reality is we all make mistakes in life, and, uh, but God is gracious and can bring good out of these as we trust him. The great South African leader, Nelson Mandela, once said, don't, don't judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down and got back up again. You know, we are not defined by our failures. We are defined by God's love and his call on our lives. We often struggle about what that role should be, what will make us free, what will make us alive, what were we born to do. It's really important, but actually, there's something much more important. What the role that we do is important, but it's not as important as how we live our lives. Are we a people of love? And when Jesus, in Matthew's record of his life, uh, was asked a question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second did this, love your neighbour 
as yourselves. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, how do we find God's will for our lives? The primary thing we need to do is to become a people of love. In the Old Testament book of the Bible, Proverbs, we find much wisdom about how to do life well. So let's read from our scripture today, which is Proverbs 3, verse 1 to 8. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. In this passage, there is much about God's will or commands that will bring flourishing to our lives. Of course, it would be easy to say, well, actually, from this passage, if you follow God's ways, you will have peace, you will have prosperity, you will have health. We have to remember this is wisdom literature that is saying things that are general but not necessarily specific in every situation. There are lots of other factors in, to be in play. I think this is generally true but not always true. Life is more complicated. In God's security of his being, his sovereignty, he, in, within his sovereignty he leaves, gives room for other wills. It's not just God's will that happens. There are other actions. There are other people's actions. There are spiritual dark forces at play. What happens is not just what God wants. However, in this passage, we see something of the goodness of God. That he is wanting to bless every single person. But we have a part to play. Holding the values of love and faithfulness, not just in our behaviour, but in our hearts, the centre of our being. So I'm going to just briefly look at verse 5 and 6 particularly. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit, or another version says acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Our path straight. In other words, we will find God's will for our lives. How do we do this? Well, we need to trust God's commands for our lives in our hearts. God is good and wanting to bless us. He knows us best. We need to lean not on our own understanding. That doesn't mean that we kiss our brains goodbye. It doesn't mean we don't think. Instead, it means not following an understanding that's shaped just by our own personal thoughts and sometimes selfish or destructive desires. In all your ways, submit to him. Well, there's also 
in many other versions, NASB, the early NIV talks about acknowledge him. And the Hebrew word is yada, which means to know. There's a sense in which there's a relational component to that acknowledgement. That knowing who God is, his desires, his love, his, his wisdom over our lives. So that we just think, yeah, actually the best thing to do is to submit to him and follow him. I think the message version says says this, which I think brings out that more relational aspect. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try and figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he is the one who will keep you on track. And in our Hearing God series, that's really wonderful. Hearing his voice. This is quite a special verse for me because in my first year at university, in the middle of the spring term, I tried to find a couple of people to share accommodation with. I asked two people and both of them had already sorted things out. Then I had glandular fever. I missed several weeks of lectures and I had to go home early from, uh, to, 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 um, home early for Easter. When I came back, I was really concerned about who was I going to share with? Where was this accommodation going to be? And I tried to work something out with my course mates, and and it just didn't work. It just wasn't possible. And I went back to my room and I cried. Not something that I often did at that point. And I prayed these verses, Hebrews 3, 5 and 6, to God, and I felt a real sense of comfort and peace. About a week later, the first person I asked to share accommodation with me told that his, the person he was going to share with had, had wanted to go to uni- onto university campus. And would I like to share the flat at the bottom of a, Chris- of a Christian's couple's house? And what's more, is it half the going rate? <laughs> and then at the beginning of the school year, my other friend that I'd asked to share accommodation, came to sleep temporarily on our floor because his plans had fallen through as well. And the kind Christian couple gave him a room at the top of their house, in part of their bit of the house. And and he ended up paying half of much again. (laughs) God had made our paths straight. And these two friends profoundly have shaped my life for good. And we still meet regularly. God is good. How can we hear God's will for our lives? Follow his primary will. Become a people who love God and love people. The second point I want to make is, who are we? God has made us all with unique uh, DNA and personality. This is a clue for our lives. God has made us with certain gifts. And you can tell from this picture, my artistry is not exactly amazing, okay? This was two years ago in children's church. It was a prophetic word, of course. Um, But, so instead he's made me with a measure of ability to understand science, so I've worked for Rolls-Royce and do aeroplanes, and I'm a, a coatings engineer. So, how do we know our gifting We need to step out and try things and keep trying them and sometimes train on how to do things. 
That's one area that can be a clue in our lives. Another area is God has made us with desires. They are part of our personality. You know, I I worked for a year as a research scientist. I could kind of do that, but actually it was boring, and it wasn't me, and I wanted to do something far more practical. So I became an engineer. You see, our good desires, God gives us they can be clues for how God wants us to what what he wants us to do in our lives and then the third area is fruitfulness where are we seeing fruitfulness in what we do uh, you know I, I've become a coatings engineer with Rolls-Royce I've been reasonably appreciated um, and I felt I've been doing something useful there's been a measure of fruitfulness about that activity that gives a clue that that's where I should be and you might say well it's just a combination of gifts and desires to some degree that's true but some things that we do and desire nobody wants it's the wrong timing it just doesn't seem to have God's favor on it so fruitfulness can be a clue of where we should be doing at this time and what we should and, and place. You see, recently, you may know I've been helping to run the Kintsugi well-being course. I have a measure of gifting and understanding. I have a desire to help, but it also seems to be really needed at this time. So there's been that kind of sense of that measure of food, of fruitfulness, and so I felt that I've been in my spot to do things. You know, and it's at that centre, the next slide, that centre of those three things, that's where you need to be working and serving God. That sweet spot, that bit in the middle. We're in a tennis season. This could be a bit tricky on a microphone. We need to be in that centre zone, that sweet spot of our lives where we can be alive and uh, feel that God is using us. Uh, Now what am I doing? (laughs) So that's where God's will is for our lives. But we need to also realise, whilst that's where we should generally be, we should also be doing things in other areas in our lives, in, in life as well, because sometimes there's just a need to serve. And also, that is a, where we're just serving, where it might not be even our gifting, is a place where we personally become like Jesus more than any other place. So there is a, a place for that. So we've talked about God's primary will. We've talked about how God has made us as uniquely as individuals. And then I want to think about God's specific will for our lives. I passionately believe that God is alive and is speaking. And each of us can begin to hear his voice more and more. And in fact, when I started this Kintsugi Hope group I felt that God had been speaking to me in a dream and, and, and in a vision. Not specifically go and do Kintsugi Hope, but 
a bit like, but in general terms. Um, but let me give you another story. Many people won't know this story, this backstory of Ebby Church 10, 12 years ago. Um, a number of years ago, Stuart, who was up the front doing spot item, was already working for Ebby Church. And I remember in leadership, we were discussing, should we employ somebody else? How should we do that? And I recall wondering if Derek, who should move from being part-time to be paid full-time for Ebby. And also, if Ebby should pay Esther Legbag for half of her time. There were many good reasons for employing both either Derek or Esther. But it was an either-or. As a leadership, we were debating and praying about this. But I remember my reading in that kind of week, which said from Acts 13, where it says, The Spirit said, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I've called them. And I felt something in my heart that God said, I want you to set apart both Derek for full time and Esther part time. I knew this must be God because in some ways that wasn't on the options. It wasn't what was expected. It was an ex- and, and that's an example that we've looked at a few weeks ago about God speaking through the Bible. His main way of speaking. So I encouraged the employment of both Derek full-time and Esther Legbag part-time. And in due course, as a leadership, we did employ them. But I also recall is in that very week that I was due to talk to Derek about going full-time, NatWest Bank, who Derek worked for part-time, announced a redundancy package. And Derek was able to take up this package. And it just seemed that God was confirming about Derek's role in church life. Now, guidance by circumstances is not always, is one of the ways that God does guide. And and we should watch that, but we shouldn't put too much weight on circumstances. And Derek and Esther have been a real gift for us in church life. As indeed Stuart has. God has blessed us and, and guided us. Yet, those stories are God speaking clearly. Life isn't always like that. Sometimes things are much more silent. And where is God? And what does he want me to do? And life's confusing. I think sometimes he just, he'd like us to choose. Maybe he even delights to see our choice that we've made. You think, oh, he's, they've chosen that. Oh, that's good. I like that. See, many times in the New Testament... We can read of Paul, the great Christian leader, choosing in his mind what to do. It's not always hearing the voice of God. Sometimes it is, of course. And one of the great Bible teachers of the 20th century, John Stott, said, God's promises of guidance were not given to save us from thinking. You see, I think that the point I want to make here about the specific will of God is this. I think that if we are in God's prime will for our lives, in other words, we are loving and we are serving and we are seeking to hear God's voice and we hear nothing, then I want to suggest to you that you're in God's specific will for your life. You're there because you're seeking him, because you're doing the right thing. You're being you as he has made you. 
and he, he, he's not, he will tell you something else if you, if you really need to know. So, we come back to God's primary will. Colossians 3, uh, 17 says this. Um, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, it's not, it doesn't always matter what we do as long as it's good. It's more about how we do it and why we do it. The whatever you do in word or deed. It's about God's general will, his primary will. If you're doing that, that's the good stuff. How? We need to do it in the name of Jesus. And what does that mean? That means that we do representing his love and character. And thirdly, the why. So we've got the what, whatever you do. We've got the how in Jesus' name. And we've got the why. Why? Doing it in the name of the Father. Doing, giving thanks to the Father. The Father loves it. He gives him joy. It gives joy to the Father's heart. As, as children do his will. For he knows that as we do his will, that is a place of flourishing for us. Now I wonder how this applies for you today. What is your takeaway? Are you in God's place for you? Do you know for certainty? Maybe you're confused. Those three things, primary will, know who you are. And if God is not speaking, if you're doing those two things, you are in his specific will for your life. You see, God's will is why we were born. God's primary will, that we might flourish But did you notice that we give thanks to the Father through Jesus? The why of life is to give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. Everything is with Jesus and not just for the Father. There is a world of difference between working for God, doing that religion. I've got to do this for God. And trying and trying and trying. But instead, with Jesus, hearing his voice, knowing his presence, knowing his strength and help. We started this series with the early, Christ, with the early Christians encountering Jesus on the Damascus road. God is alive and wants and is speaking. He wants us to encounter him on life's road. Whatever stage we're at in life, however rocky it is, however many mistakes we've made, he still wants a relationship with us where we are, where we start from on this rocky road. And he says, come, let's walk together. Giving thanks to the Father through him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are gracious. You are loving. 
you forgive us. And somehow, amazingly, you want to walk with us in life's situations. Wherever we are, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to glorify you in our lives. Amen. And I think just, you know, we sometimes think about Peter in the scriptures getting out of the boat because he sees Jesus and he says to Jesus, walking on the water, Jesus says, "Um, come to me. And Peter gets out of the boat and he, um, he starts to walk on water amazingly. And then he sees the wind and the waves and he fails and he begins to sink. And Jesus takes his hand and saves him and helps him. We often think that there are only two options in life. We either walk on water or we stay in the boat of comfort. But there is this third option that we get out of the boat and there is Jesus with his grace and favour and love to come to us where we are in life.